We are live, more or less, from Las Vegas. I'm Rick Rosen with Mark Anthony. This is Good Sports. Good morning, yes, Mark. What's happening, buddy? Not much. How about it's you? It's always a good day. Oh, yeah. you know, just <laughs> one of those. You know, you have the, one of those days every once in a while when things just, it's not a terrible day, but you just know it's not going to be the best day ever. <laughs> the British Open's on right now in Tiger Woods. Shot of 76. It's like his worst opening round ever at the British Open. They're at St. Andrews, the old and ancient, uh, where, where golf uh, allegedly was invented uh, 500 and some odd years ago or whatever. And uh, Tiger Woods shot a 76. And uh, he's uh, four strokes from the bottom, 11 strokes out of the lead. But <laughs> do you know, if I, I believe if I shot a 76, I would buy you a hooker. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, you're, you're talking about for the rest of us. That's that's celebration time, man. That's a let's let's bring some people over from America, and I want to take their pick course where I shot a 76. So it ain't happening, uh, Tiger Woods. Man, what a what a shame! What a what a tremendous talent! And then he started screwing with his swing, and and, and uh, you know, got in trouble for uh, for putting for his penis where it was. Yeah. Yeah, where it was where it was, where it wasn't supposed to be at any particular time and that's that's about it so but uh, anyhow uh, you know wow. Jordan Spieth is going for the uh, uh, for the grand slam of golf uh Serena Williams going for the grand, she's got the she holds all four titles in tennis uh, now as she won Wimbledon uh, last week and uh she's she, so she has them all four now that now they 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 split hairs again well the same year that to be in the same year for it to count out really oh, as a grand slam on. why she's got all four titles they play year round well all of a sudden now we've got a calendar in the in, involved in the thing she wasn't using the calendar to beat the crap out of the people she beat but uh have you ever seen the 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 video of serena and venus's kids uh with their dad uh richard williams and i believe he He's he's one of the main reasons pe people like me that are dick. <clears throat> but uh, you know he put he put, I don't know or just uh, just uh, some other asshole who decided what he was going to do with his kids' lives. Uh, I mean, evidently some of it was cool, but the girls are uh, mares. They world famous and, and this and that. But he he did not give them much opportunity to do anything else. I mean, Serena might have been the greatest, the next Maya Angelou. Uh, but uh, he pointed them towards tennis, and it really has made himself persona non grata. Damn near everywhere he's been and with everybody that he's dealt with that I know of, uh, nobody likes him. But he's got two really successful daughters. That uh, uh, Serena's going to go down as, as one of the greatest female tennis player ever. You're, you're talking about Billie Jean King, uh, Chris Everett, Steffi Graf, uh, on and on, uh, Althea Gibson, uh, the first black uh, tennis champion, on and on and on. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you look at the travel and you look at the there is no time off and all those kind of things. So Serena Williams, really uh, just, just a phenomenal athlete. And I don't know, was the guy a seer to, to see that they had that potential? Because Venus, you know, I mean, he had them out there. That's been these kids' job. Now they're not kids. They're <laughs> right at the moment, but he, he's had them doing this since uh, 
this has been their profession since they were in first grade, kindergarten, first grade. He's had them doing nothing but tennis, 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 tennis. So I guess if, you know, it's a wonder they haven't, they haven't done the Menendez brothers on him, uh, (laughs) honestly. You know, I mean, at some point, okay, dad. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy that, uh, yeah, I guess he's worked hard, you know, doing whatever, but certainly not as hard work as you have to be to maintain the number one position or, and they, they've shared it. I mean, for both sisters, they, <laughs> Venus Williams had, uh, has had a tremendous career. She's won, she's won uh, grand slam events. She's been ranked number one, blah, blah, blah. But the, the little sister's better. And uh, she's simply better. I saw uh, Serena Williams. She's a, she's a, an imposing figure. She is a, she is a big girl and she is uh, very well put together. I, I was at the palms one day in there and she was at the crap table and, People, people were trying to have a conversation with her. She was playing craps. She didn't want. To, she didn't want to bullshit with people. She, she wanted to just enjoy herself at the crap table, and it's right out there in the middle of, uh, of the casino there at the Palms. And uh, so I watched for a few minutes, and and she wasn't having much interaction with anybody, the dealers, the the, the people playing, or whatever. She just wanted to shoot the dice. And as I went in the bathroom, she was with Keyshawn Johnson, and he was, he was kind of. Going out as I, I, I headed out as I was headed into the into the bathroom, and I put two and two together, realized they were together, and uh, uh-huh. yeah, so we talked for you know thirty seconds or so. I said, "Is anybody leaving you, leaving her alone enough to to shoot?" He said, "Not really, man." He said, "But you know, it goes with the territory," and uh, so uh, and that that romance. I mean, you think of all the different things that it affects in your life when you are a pro athlete when you're doing this year round thing. I mean, at least baseball players get some time off, and football and basketball, but. Tennis and those kind of things, and UFC and boxing. There's really not a, a, a season, so they don't have an off season. No, so. no. Well, you, well, I mean, look, are you a tennis player, Mark? No, but uh, you know, look <laughs> at uh, Andre Agassi. You know, I mean, yeah. You know, he has the exact same story. His father just, you know, tennis, 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 tennis. No, okay. Yeah, but I think Andre Agassi was a lot more. I don't think he was pushed like. I don't know if there's ever been anybody. Tiger Woods' dad had him on the Mike Douglas show at, at three or something. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, Earl Woods put him in the in the you're going to be a golfer category, and, and Tiger Woods has been a golfer. But, I mean, you look at his personal life and, and some of those things, yeah, yeah, God, he makes millions and millions of dollars and all his things with Nike and on and on and all that fame. But, you know, the guy really doesn't have a great deal of normalcy in his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he had he, he married – one of the most beautiful women uh, physically on the face of the earth. And uh, that wasn't enough. He still had, he still had to dick around and uh, you know, I mean, that's, if that works for you, that's not sitting in judgment of Tiger Woods and what he does in his personal life. But I think when these people have nothing but that as their point of reference, they lose a lot of spice of life, Mark. And uh, you you see, listen, uh, when, when I was the, when I was the commissioner of the NYFL out here, you see these, you see these people that that's there. That's it, man. My kid's going to be a football player. Do this, and he's going to, you know. And I would try to tell people, hey, listen, you had your chance when you were an eight-year-old kid. Would you have, would you have liked somebody pushing you to do something twenty-four-seven? Yeah. Eat football, breathe football, think football. Don't do anything. Don't have fun. You play it, and you're going to be a pro and whatever. And it's such a rare occurrence. I mean, you know, it's it's like it's almost like cast into the ocean and, and hoping you're going to catch a prize 
winning tuna. I mean, it doesn't happen very often. You kind of yeah. have to snag one. So, uh, you know, in Las Vegas, I, we're fortunate because of the weather here, Mark. I mean, not that you see a lot of people out on the out and about <laughs> doing things in the middle of July, uh, but but in the middle of November, they can still be out throwing a baseball and do and doing right. those things. So the weather here lends itself to us having more athletes simply because they get more reps and more opportunities here in Las Vegas to be exposed to different things. And uh, uh, but uh, yeah, it's really interesting. You, you know, if you uh, and talking about UFC, I guess a, a little bit. Uh, Randy Couture, one of the greatest champions, if not the greatest, the the natural uh, in UFC, and his son Ryan. What a nice young man! And and was not pushed by his dad. Uh, he he was. It wasn't like Randy tried to talk him out of it, but he certainly did not push him into it. And Ryan went in on his own, and uh, uh, a nice young man who really has given quite a bit uh, of effort and energy to being a UFC fighter. And he just he's not the same. It's 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 Kyle Petty, uh, Richard Petty. It's it, you know whatever whatever other group you want where Dad was better. That, it's unfortunate, but Dad's better. Randy grew up different than, than 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 Ryan did. Randy was already making a name and making some money and doing this when Ryan was born, and Randy wasn't that. He was into wrestling, and I don't know who pushed him or how how that came about. But you know, you you just look at these at these different situations. Phil Mickelson plays left handed. I'm, I'm I'm watching him right now. He's he plays left-handed even though he's right-handed because when his dad taught him golf they stood across from each other and so dad was right-handed so Mickelson to mirror him had to had to play left-handed which lends itself to golf courses are built because 90 percent of the population is right-handed golf courses are built for right-handed people so sometimes being left-handed or playing left-handed gives you an advantage just as it does in baseball, uh, people say, what's the difference between being left-handed and being right-handed in baseball? You're two steps closer to first base when you're left-handed. So switch hitters have a, have a great advantage. Guys that are left-handed have a tremendous advantage getting to first. Now, once you're, once you're at first base, it's a, it's a non-factor anymore. But if you're two steps quicker by hitting the ball uh, from the right side of the plate, uh, you know, into right field or onto the, at least that side, there are some drawbacks to it when you're when you're right-handed. You tend to hit towards towards left field, and so it's a further throw. It's it's farther from from third base to first base, or shortstop than it is from second base to first base. So uh, there there's some equality to it. It's a, some equalizing. I, I guess that's the word I'm looking for. Uh, but in all honesty, there are some advantages, and there are some advantages to being left-handed in in several sports, tennis. Uh, punters uh, in the NFL. Uh, Bill Belichick loves having left-footed punters because the ball spins the other direction, and it's harder for people to to, to uh, a field. It's, it, the ball's still up there. It's still the same football, you know, regardless how much air is in it and blah, blah, blah. But as when it comes from a left, from somebody that's left-footed, uh, it, uh, it, it, it just reacts differently or it looks differently and people don't they're not as sure in fielding the punts and, and those kind of things so you know uh, even though only 10 percent of the population is left-handed they uh, they have a, a particular place in sports boxing you know they're not they're called southpaws and they go the other damn direction when you, uh, people do not like a lot for the longest time it was a very very rare occasion that a left-hander got to have enough fights to qualify to get to be a championship contender because nobody wanted to fight them. They make you look bad. They, they, you're, you're used to just 
going around and 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 leading with your left and now all of a sudden this guy's coming over and when I every time I lead with my left he's punching me in my face and so you have to either now box left-handed uh, and, and go the other direction so you take your power away and you have to use your right hand as the lead and, and your left for the power so um, you know there, there are some there are some differences but uh, uh, you know it's uh, it, it is just one of those uh, oddities I, I guess when they make golf courses they have to make them for one direction or the other but uh, um, you know, guys figure out their advantages pretty quick where where, where you have it and where you don't um, so and uh, you know uh, the other thing going on mark that we haven't touched on for for a while the world series of poker yes is coming down to the 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 summer hiatus they're going to get to the final nine i believe later today yes. and then and then they'll be off until november when they have the the, the championships and i think that's one of the most convoluted yeah one of the most convoluted bs things that you you know it is simply all about the money it has yeah. nothing to do with the competition or anything like that and, and you know it works for them and so but well, only 65 only 6500 people in the in the finals this year uh i believe when joe hasham won uh in in 8500 so uh, right. the, the popularity of poker is dropping down <laughs> maybe people ran out of money well and this year at the WSOP the the last 1000 players are actually uh cashing in so you know, there's there. Yeah, they, I think there was just writing the story well. in the paper. The guy ended up 64th. He he ended up 64th, uh, something like that. Ron Kantowski wrote a nice article about him in the in the Las Vegas Review Journal, and uh, uh, he got a he cashed out 146. It's not a bad return, but you're you're at one percent with 64 out of 6400. Okay, that's one yeah. percent. Percent is the only thing that that cashes enough to call it a life changing amount, I suppose, at one hundred and forty five thousand or whatever it is that the guy made. Um, it is it it, it is uh, more fantasy. I mean, I guess it's like buying a lottery ticket or something for some of these guys. And some of them just come out here. They got ten grand to blow, and they come out here and they they spend a day in Las Vegas, and and that's their life story for the rest of their life. Hey, I played poker. I was across from Phil Hellmuth or. Or, or or Doyle Brunson or you know all the yeah. big names Johnny yeah. Chan and et cetera, et cetera. You you never know who will be at. Yeah, it's that whole I you know I played the main event. So any event of the World Series of Poker? Uh, was down there right after they seeded the uh, main the main event. Um, you know, okay, you know, well, so, so I got to see the flights. When I started doing poker, my friend Larry. Grew- uh, was the first guy out here that that I knew of that that did anything with with poker and uh, uh, poker players and and I kind of got into it because Larry guys on your show and so I, I started that way and we, the it was all down at the horseshoe at Binion's horseshoe and uh, the first in 1983 my first foray into Las Vegas we went to a casino and the final table was at the horseshoe at that time and if there was 20 of us standing around that table to watch uh, that's probably an overestimation of how many people yeah. were there and we watched tom mcavoy win i think he won six hundred thousand dollars or something like that and uh, uh bob uh, um uh, the nut that used to own the, the stratosphere uh uh, uh the, the the polish Bob Stupak was sitting at the table, and then that was the final table, and uh, and McAvoy won, and uh, uh, he got up on the table, and there was plenty of room. He got up on the table with his <laughs> six hundred thousand or whatever, and did the dance right on top of the table. But you literally couldn't have reached out and touched any of them. Now it's such a huge event, but they had the media 
So it wasn't just for media members. It was for, for people that had some some fame somewhere along the line and people that were covering the thing. There wouldn't have been enough of us that were given them much coverage to have much of a tournament. We could have had a couple, three tables from people yeah. that actually knew, you know, any of the rules about uh, Texas Hold'em. And, uh, but I, I sat... I sat between Telly Savalas and and I learned curse words that I, I still I mean you you learned them in Greek you learned them in Yiddish you learned you learned a lot of you learned a lot of different uh, different languages down there and it was and at the time you got paid I think I think the winner of the media event got ten grand or something um, whatever it was it was cool and you know I uh, Mr Smart my first my first time I uh, I had uh, eight over aces. Uh, not necessarily the dead man's hand, but close enough for me. And I was, I was squatting in high cotton, brother. <laughs> I had, I had pocket, I had pocket eights and, uh, uh, the, the pair of aces, uh, came on the flop and, uh, sat across from me and, and had no idea what she did and pushed all in and actually caught a straight flush uh. Uh, to, be, to beat my full house. And that, that put me out in the. I'd, I'd I'd move tables a couple times, but like I say, the most the most entertaining thing was sitting there between Tully Savalas and Gabe Kaplan, and they one was on one table in front of me, and and Tully Savalas was behind me, and I'm like, who liked that? And I turned around, who was Tully? And of course, we now have the same haircut. Yes. Um, but just I mean. Uh, uh, you know, he was pissed off at the ink on the cards. It, it didn't seem like all that much fun. Three houses away from a golf course, and when I was the paper boy, I used to, you know, you're, you're up at five in the morning delivering newspapers, at least the morning edition, and I would be driving down, riding my bike down the street, throwing papers on one side, and the golf course was on the other, and you would hear guys screaming and just so frustrated, and guy, I had guys actually ask, can you give me that golf club back that I just threw across the street, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I would, every great once in a while you would just see somebody implode out there and uh one day this uh, uh a golf ball come bouncing past me and ended up on the on the lawn of a, a, a of a house i was delivering a paper to and uh this guy's like hey hey he says grab that ball man throw it back over here and so uh i went to i i threw the newspaper and i had one more and then i came, came back to come get the ball and uh, as i went past the guy started calling me names cursing at me and being just a total jackass about it. And I was doing, actually doing my job to went back to get his ball. And he says, hurry up, you little asshole. <laughs> and so I had, his, I had his ball in my hand. I said, I, I said, I've got it. Is this your ball? And he said, yeah. And I threw it as far as I could throw it down the street. You know, I was on my bike. He was on the other side of the fence and he had a golf club. But just that absolute frustration. You know, my my, my uncle, uh, God rest him, uh, used to say, "I what, what's your what's your favorite club? And it was a foot wedge. And so he would walk up when he found his ball. If it wasn't right where he liked it, he just accidentally kicked it over three feet or something until it was in a better lie. And uh, I, I think... I think they call it a lie on purpose in golf. You know, you're supposed to you're supposed to uh, turn yourself in for all these infractions, and you know, yeah, yeah. not everybody does. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyhow, well, the British the British Open is go, going on right now, and it doesn't look like old Tiger Woods is going to win this uh, this uh, uh, major either, Mark. And uh, did you watch the ESPYS last night? No, I. I no. Somehow this doesn't surprise me. Um, 
Caitlyn Jenner won the uh, won the Courage Award, the Arthur Ashe uh, Courage Award, and when that started out, I, there's going to be controversy about this one. Uh, the, the little girl oh, Lauren yeah. Hill that, that that died after playing after playing uh, collegiately. I mean, that's she got up uh, off of her deathbed to, to go and play what she had always wanted to do was be a college basketball player, and she Arthur got to walk Ashe out of the court and and. and uh, Arthur Ashe, who died of AIDS that came about from hemophilia, uh, um, it's it's uh, unfortunate. Like I say, the controversy and 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 listen, Jenner handled it. Uh, he had some humor that was maybe a little misguided at the at the first, and people were a little taken back by. Uh, uh, you didn't hear that that uproarious laughter, and some of the things he said were pretty humorous. And but the, the thing that got me, st- she still sounds, and I'll call her she. That's what you want to be, you know. You have the you know that what they call the uh, the uh, operation that uh, Jenner went through, don't you? Do I even want to know? It's called the lo- It's called the lopotomy. <laughs> you know what they call it when you go from from female to male in a, in a transgender situation, don't you? What? That's that's called an adedictomy. <laughs> I just uh, I I didn't know if you knew the technical terms there. Anyway, Jenner got out and made a made a pretty long, uh, somewhat impassioned speech. Uh, but you know, um, Jimmy Valvano was the, was the what was is, is the speech that everybody in and the ESPYS is ever going to be measured against. He was dying of cancer, and he says, "I got tumors sprouting all over my body," and this guy's telling me to hurry up and uh, you know, bafangu or whatever, whatever he said in Italian. He meant, "No, I'm not hurrying up for I don't care what signs you give me from off stage or whatever." But that is that speech. You know, uh, cancer can take me physically, but it can't touch my heart. It can't touch my soul. It can't touch my mind. And uh, not necessarily in that order. I'm paraphrasing, I suppose. Right. But that's the standard that everybody else is held up to. For the ESPYS, particularly this Arthur Ashe Award, you know, and Arthur Ashe was a courageous athlete, and so they crossed a barrier. They they uh, eliminated a barrier or pushed the envelope or what, however you want to couch it. They with dropped naming, the bar. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people uh, agree with that, Mark. I mean, I I do appreciate the fact that it took. Uh, a good amount of courage for for Jenner to come out and be so open as she is now for a uh, about going through this to process. Put a dress on and walk on stage is courage. Well, I don't think that's the extent of it, Mark. And I do agree that that's part of the deal. Uh, again, I'm not discounting the courage, but I think there were more courageous people. Lauren Hill comes to mind. She should have won, and she didn't. And uh, you know, she's not going to have a chance next year. She died, but she got up out of her deathbed. Going through chemo, going through the end stages of her life, and she made it out there to the basketball court. And she not only did it once, she said, I don't want this to be my last. It's my first college basketball game. It's not going to be my last. And she did it again. And she was within a couple of weeks of dying, and there she was out there on the uh, on the basketball floor. And that was inspiring. Jenner's, uh, Caitlyn Jenner's uh, story is inspiring to those of the transgender uh, uh, I don't know uh, how else to refer it to as that group of people that are that are transgenders, and and maybe it'll shed some light and, and open some some minds uh, to to the fight. But I think there were better uh, examples of courage uh, in in sports. I mean, that's a but well, whatever it is. I mean, it, it's not like it was the worst thing. It's not like they gave it to Osama bin Laden posthumously. So. Um, 
it's a it, it was a, a, a an entertaining night. Uh, Ronda Rousey, well, that's a hot babe for being as bad as she is. You know, she's just bad, bad. There, I, I just as beautiful as she looked, and she's now she's into the acting and all that. She really has cashed in. And uh, Mark, I believe you were there the, the day we were at the Mandalay Bay. And uh, Reed Harris had been the president and, and uh, the originator of the uh, WEC. And uh, they actually had women. And they had the lighter weights. And the UFC only had the big guys and no women whatsoever. Right. And uh, Reed, was, Reed was walking around kind of seeing what we were doing uh, at, uh, at the Mandalay Bay. And uh, I had no idea who he was, Mark. And uh, one of the guys said, that's, that's Reed Harris. And I said, well, let's have him on. It was a slow day and somebody canceled out or whatever. And he came over and I asked him about incorporating women into the, into the UFC as the UFC had just announced that they were taking over the WEC and they were going to have the lighter weights and Jose Aldo and the, the guys that you see now, Uriah Faber, and, and the little guys were going to be part of the UFC and, and make it a complete organization from, from skinny guys to, to big guys. And, uh, I asked him about the women, and uh, the guy damn near went apoplectic. I mean, we had to unscrew him from the seat because he puckered up so tightly. And boy, I mean, it was really, it it was really a, a subject you could just see in the guy's face. He did not want to talk about it. He was not supposed to talk about it, and he was absolutely beside himself that I'd asked him. I just didn't know the ground rules, or I wouldn't have done it. Right. But, but. You know, and that has led us to Ronda Rousey, who came through tough enough, and uh, Barry Myers tough enough, and and uh, he and Jeff were smart enough to give her a shot and give all the women. They had an all female uh, event, and I believe it was the Orle at the Orleans. And gosh, Mark, it it's been six or eight years ago, uh, something like that. That they they had their fights at. Uh, uh, at the Cosmopolitan uh, this last week, uh, Cyborg Christine Cyborg um, was the big winner. She was the main event, and she got she got a hundred thousand bucks. Uh, they put the they I have, for whatever reason I'm not sure what their reasoning is behind this, but they publicize uh, the uh, the purses what everybody makes in every fight, and they do this for boxing and uh, any of the events now, and whatever it is, rule regulation or just uh, just common courtesy or discourtesy, kind of depending on yeah. somebody's telling <laughs> everybody else what you made. But she was the main event. And she got a hundred a hundred thousand bucks, including fifty thousand dollars as a winner's bonus. And so uh but it went down I think there were only eight fights on the card and it went down to the last one, the girl got two thousand bucks and she won. And the loser actually got twenty five hundred, so it was an upset. But two thousand bucks ain't much to to get out there when you think of the training and everything, I, yeah. I would imagine it would not be hard to figure out that's well below minimum wage when yes. you think all the other things that go on and you have to pay your corner and you have to do this and do that. A uh, couple of, uh, a couple of controversial things that the UFC has done. They, uh, they have their own outfits. Now everybody started looking like NASCAR uh, race cars with all the different labels and, and patches and, 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 and logos and things that they had on there, all the advertising that they had all over themselves. Uh, and, it was uh, now they they all have to wear. I guess the colors change, but they have one manufacturer, one group, and I think it's Reebok, Mark, that is uh, that is outfitting the UFC. And they cut a deal, and so you want you want to play in our you want to play in our league. You're going to wear our unis, and so they've taken quite a bit of the revenue that or some revenue that the guys, the guys were getting and the and, and the young ladies were getting, and they've said, okay, it's ours, and they have so much control. Uh, 
uh, at the UFC with every aspect of what they do. It's a very well-run organization, but when you look at what they bring in as opposed to what they pay out, yeah. and it filters down through the other through Invicta and through Bellator and whatever. Guys aren't getting rich. The very upper 1%, I guess it's a really good Republican thing, that upper 1%, kicks ass and everybody else is is at mcdonald's wages and 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 those kind of things and so you want to make the big time but they're cashing in on the deal after the fact randy couture's in movies the expendables uh uh uh, ronda rousey's in 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 movies now and and guys move on um brock lesnar uh is a guy you know came from wrestling and went back to wrestling and done this and that so i you make your name and then you cash in later but most of them they cash in by going ahead and teaching other people how to get the crap beat out of them by by somebody so um kind of a kind of an odd thing there but uh nonetheless uh they are the uh they are monsters can you name uh <laughs> what's the last fight you watched in boxing mark boxing holy cow did you did you see or, or that we talked about very much or that you knew much about was it mayweather pacquiao or has there been something since then that you know about no boxing wow See, it's such now, an that's what's wrong with boxing. God, no. nobody, nobody knows. <laughs> I talked with, I spoke with Lee Samuels, the spokesman for uh, PR director for Top Rank Boxing. We, we, you know, we're good friends, and and we spoke a couple days ago. And he said they don't have anything scheduled. Uh, he would love to come on with us. He said I'll be more than happy to. <laughs> I love, I love being on your show, but he said we don't have anything coming up till September. And, uh, uh, you know, when I first moved out here, when I first got into radio, Mark, there were two or three boxing. Uh, events every single week it was a very very rare week that there was i mean when i when i broke in the silver slipper was no longer doing the smokers but the showboat uh, had uh, weekly fights the silver slipper had there were different the sands was still doing some some boxing caesars obviously was the the home of championship boxing there were all these places that that were making they were filling up their their arenas and their ballrooms with boxing fans now <laughs> it's mayweather and pacquiao and who i mean andre ward's out there he's a tremendous boxer uh, there's, we saw the Timothy Bradley, uh, 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 the kid from Vegas, uh, Vargas fight. And you're just like, wow, um, where is everybody? Where did they all go? Well, I think a lot of them went to, to the UFC and they, and it's not for money because the bigger money's in boxing. Now, right now you can, you know, Floyd, Manny Pacquiao made $150 million to get the, to, to get in a non-fight. I mean, it's not like he got hurt. It's not like he got hit. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I've been, I've been roughed up more in, in the having 21 items in the 20 item lane at the, <laughs> at the damn grocery store. What, what Pacquiao and Mayweather did to each other. But, you know, you're talking about a huge amount of money and, and I think it filters down more in boxing. Amazingly enough, yeah. uh, when I first got into radio, Don King, and, and Bob Aram were the two uh, the two gorillas in the in the room as far as promoters go, and people used to talk about Don King and how much he stole, and Mike Tyson threw his toaster at Don King, and and they had that very contentious relationship. And I used to say, at least they let him, at least Don King lets them keep some of their money. You know, yeah. they dick Joe Lewis out of every penny he had and left him holding the bag for the taxes after they stole all his money. And the God bless Caesar's Palace. Uh, gave him a job as a greeter to keep him out of the out of the homelessness category. And uh, um, do you know where the statue 
of Joe Lewis is that graced the uh, the race and sports book at Caesar's Palace for so long. It's a, it's that huge uh, uh, bronze statue of Joe Lewis in his very uh, familiar uh, stance. Do you know where that statue now resides? I was told that they took it out of uh, Caesar's Palace. Took it out of Caesar's. Do you know where it lives now? It's going to surprise you. See offices. It's at the UFC headquarters across the street from the Palace Station here in Las Vegas on Sahara. And Dana oh, White's man. a huge box. Dana White's a huge boxing fan. But we walked in. George George Garcia uh, from MMA Junkie and I walked into the office. We had an appointment with uh, with Dana. And uh, you, you walk in, and there's Joe Lewis. <laughs> of all the guys you could have, you could have had Hoist Gracie. You could you know you could have had a, a million other guys, and certainly they could afford to have their own statue made. You know, right. uh, and, but but there's there's Joe Lewis in the in the main uh, foyer uh, as you walk into the UFC offices, and it's the statue of Joe Lewis. I don't know if I've told you the story about uh, uh, that that statue. Uh, Joe uh, Salvador and I were on at Caesar's Palace, and this had to be. 89, 90, somewhere, somewhere in their mark. And it was the, the race and sports book was, uh, basically a three fourths of a rectangle. The, the, it was only open on the, on the backside into the main casino and the, the betting windows were across from us on one way and we faced them. We faced the same direction as a better would. Uh, but there was, there were all the seating uh, and to our left were the big screen TVs and they had eight or 10 at the time. And it was, it was relatively new technology and, uh, the cutting edge of that and we had a little a couple of little lamps set up on our table and we would do the radio show from there and we never gave any much away sometimes we give away like buffets or something that caesars had brought over for us but i mean we weren't giving away trips to you know uh to to uh, uh ireland or anything like that and this little guy was betting, and he and he, he kept turning around and looking at it, seeing what we were doing. And he would turn around, you would see him snap around and snap his head around. And you know, he was eighty feet, a hundred feet away from us, and we were watching him and just doing the show. And you just kind of re- realize. And uh, he got his bet in, and I don't know what he thought we were giving away or who he thought was up there because it was just me and Joe. It's not like we had a guest that he recognized and, and ran over to see. And uh, he ran down all the betting windows and down in front of the screens. And as he made the corner to 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 come up to see what we were doing he didn't see that statue standing like this and he ran in he, he ran into that bronze statue with his face and it, it oh. literally he never saw it coming man and it, it picked his feet up and thump you you could hear that boy hit the deck and i was on the air and i said chalk up another knockout for joe lewis he just hit a man with a real solid right <laughs> and they, they they had to bring it in. here we are doing the show and they're bringing in the stretcher you know they called the emts and the guy was i don't think he ever got up uh, up off his feet until they put him on the stretcher i mean we never <laughs> saw the guy regain his feet and he ran right i mean ran his face right right into that big that big right hand to joe lewis and there, there you go another ko on the brown bombers oh, uh, resume yeah, it was a. Uh, it, it was you know. Uh, it, it again. It was unfortunate what happened with with uh, with Joe Lewis and and boxing and to be a guy that held the world the heavyweight championship of the world for eleven years. They talk about Joe DiMaggio's fifty six game hitting streak. Yeah, that one third of the uh, of the length of the of the baseball season. Imagine eleven years. And it's not like Joe Lewis did like they do now and fought every six months. I mean, there were there were times he fought 
more than once in in a month yeah. in that in that span and and you think 11 years as the heavyweight champion of the world i don't think it will ever be equaled um you know particularly when the, the, the every there were only six weight classifications at the time so joe lewis fought they they called it the bum of the month club well he ran out of people to beat up you know he had to he really didn't have a whole lot going on other than hey, I, I'm going to get in the ring and whoever you put in here with me, I'm going to beat him up. And he did that 11 why, years. Imagine that. Why did I, mean, I don't know how to put that in perspective. Why did nobody stand up for him? You know, I mean, he was the world champion. He gave his money to the, to the war bonds and the IRS screws him over. He joined the military. Yeah. He joined the military Mark. He, he fought exhibitions for our, for our fighting forces, uh, you know, during World War II, and and uh, thereafter, and uh, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't popular to to stick up for black people <laughs> at the time. You know, uh, Jackie Robinson hadn't hadn't emerged yet, and Joe Lewis was the first the first black athlete to really be accepted by the ignorance uh, uh, that that the world was at the less ignorant now but um but joe lewis was really the first guy that you know and and people if you look at some of the stories and and some of the things i heard when i was a kid when people would tell you about joe lewis oh yeah this this guy cassius clay's okay but man he's no joe lewis and he you know this that and they would talk about joe lewis and and say that that phrase that i think is as disgusting as as damn near anything people said. Oh, he's one of the good ones. They they didn't mean they didn't mean he's one of the good people or he's no. one of the good. Hey man, he's he's one of he's one of them good Negroes, you know. And yeah. that's how they referred to him. So times were times were certainly different than uh, than than they are now. But you asked the question, why didn't anybody stick up for him? It wasn't politically uh, necessary, and it wasn't a. Uh, Political correctness had not reared its uh, its ugly head uh, uh, then either. So, okay. uh, but uh, again, they, they the promoters and everybody that had their hands in Joe Joe Lewis's pocket uh, never dug into their own pockets for him, except for Caesar's Palace. So, okay. So, really quickly for the two or three listeners that don't, that don't know the Joe Lewis story, the part that we're talking about is he is he did a fight for what like a million dollars. They fought at uh, at uh, Wrigley Field. Who? Yeah, they fought at they fought at Wrigley Field. Joe Lewis and uh, was it? Uh, I'll think of I'll think of who he fought. Mark, I, I don't have it right in front of me, but they. I mean, they filled up a baseball stadium, and it was the first. It was the first million dollar gate uh, ever, and uh, you know you generate that much money, and everybody got some except good old Joe Lewis, and you now. I mean, he was – guys are different now. Guys play to the media, and they understand these things. You look at Roy Jones Jr. I mean, he, he, one, of the great, one of the greatest fighters that America has ever produced. But, you know, he goes on and does the, does the media things. George Foreman was a jackass and came along at the right time. Uh, Lee Evans and Tommy Smith were standing with the, with the, the black gloves at the – I don't know if I can get up there. Uh, the black gloves at the Olympics when they, when they came in first and second at the uh, – uh, right, in the 100-yard – Right, right, but and back, and but in the same in the same Olympics, George Foreman waved the waved the, the American flag, and became a became an iconic figure. This this national good guy, and he was a jackass. 
You know, I mean, he just, he had the good sense or something. He handed in the little American flag. And when he won the heavyweight championship in the Olympics, he waved the flag. And yay, and it was such an opposite of what they, but but nonetheless, he was a jackass who now, with the George Foreman grill, and now he's Mr. Happy and Mr. Personable and whatever. But that was a, that was a transition that was, that was really money-driven. I think somebody got got into George's head and said, "Hey, listen, man, you're you're pissing away a lot of money by not at least uh, being decent when when people ask you questions, answer their questions. When they want to take your picture, smile. Even if you don't want to smile, smile." And and George got it. Not everybody does, but guys play to the camera. They play to the media now. And uh, Joe Lewis didn't have a tremendous. You know, he was a he was a nice man. He was not well educated. He was not well spoken, like you see. You know, guys that guys right. that know that, that that's what they want to do, they learn how to speak, and and the, they learn how to to hold a conversation and to do the things that they need to do. So, okay, so different times. Okay, so yeah, I'm listening. Okay, so the story goes is that they had this huge fight. Joe Joe uh, Joe Lewis yeah. got got a huge check, and he signed the check over to the war effort. Yeah. Okay. Now, and. Then, and the, that absolutely makes sense. I mean, it, uh, then, that's all. That's all, Joe Lewis. And then, and then the IRS went went after him for the taxes on that because it personally mm-hmm. went through his bank account. He couldn't pay the taxes. Yep. He and so here you have the world champion boxer, basically destitute and homeless, and along yep. comes Caesar's Palace that says, "Hey, how'd you like to be a doorman?" Yeah, there was a there was a. 20-year or 30, I guess 25-year gap from when Joe Lewis fought his last fight, and he had to fight much longer than he was a viable uh, fighter, uh, simply for the money, you know, and, and, and he lived on his name and whatever, but uh, more people made a living off of Joe Lewis than, than Joe, Lewis Joe Lewis did yeah. uh, a great living. Yeah, and, and, and it's it's one of the one of the sad things in our, in our national history that... Uh, you know, here's a guy that, right place, right time. I mean, he beat the crap out of Max Schmeling after after losing, and uh, you know that was a that was a Jesse Owens uh, screw you Hitler at the at the thirty two Olympics. That was that was that moment when Joe Lewis beat the you know the uh, Aryan uh, the Aryan figurehead at the time in sports was certainly Max Schmeling, and uh, uh, you know there's some conjecture that the this was not that long before steroids became popular market and, and those kind of things and all the different experiments that, uh, uh, that the, the German folks were so, were so fond of at the time, or at least the, the Nazis and, and, and the rest of them that they think that, uh, there's a lot of conjecture that Max Schmeling had some help physically speaking with the, the miracles of modern medicine. And it was just making that, that transition from, you know, bleeding people and putting leeches on you and stuff like that to modern medicine, and that some some countries and some places, some some parts of our civilization were further ahead in enhancing those things. But performance enhancing drugs had their, you know, that's that's pretty much what drugs do. It always makes me laugh when people talk about performance enhancing drugs. Which drugs aren't performance enhancing? If 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 you're a spaz. You know, you're, you, you can't, you can't keep your shit together. You're, you're walking around and you just, and everything you do is like, and they give you a drug that calms you down 
it enhanced your performance. It, it turned you down a couple notches, but that eventually enhanced your performance. And if you, if you're, you're not big enough and they give you drugs and it makes you bigger or stronger or faster or whatever. Yep. That, that enhanced your performance, but uh, aspirin, if you have a headache and they give you an aspirin and it takes your headache away and now you, now, now it has enhanced your performance. It made you more able, better to do what you've chosen to do athletically. And, uh, Oh, there's that little creek there. I'm watching out of the corner of my eye. I'm watching the U.S. Open. Tiger Woods just decided to wash his ball in the middle of a of a round of golf. Okay, so uh, yeah, he so, said. I'm sure. Okay, okay. Uh, we we had lost you for about a second there. What? Oh, yeah. I do that. Uh, can you go back and tell us the story of Caesar's Palace with Joe Lewis? What was the tie-in there? The Caesar's Palace did the right thing, um, you know, and uh, it's when the mafia ran the place here. And somebody said, hey, this is Joe Lewis. Somebody said, this is this is Joe Lewis. And they didn't do it for all boxers, Mark. They, Joe Lewis certainly wasn't the only guy to, to, to ever get screwed over by everybody else and, no. and, and, and be left penniless and homeless. Uh, but somebody at Caesar's Palace had the, had the decency to say Joe Lewis is about to be homeless. Joe Lewis can't pay his bills because everybody stole all his money and we can't let that happen. And so they gave him a room at Caesars. Uh, he lived there. He was a greeter. He came down and shook hands with people that, uh, that remembered him fighting. Now Joe Lewis is just a name. I think it's a, it's a very small percent of our population. Whoever saw Joe Lewis live, whoever was, who was around. I mean, my parents, uh, he was a hero to them. And my parents were as progressive, uh, uh, racially speaking, as as any two people could have been. My father, in the '60s, uh, at Adams State College, which is now a university in in Colorado, in Alamosa, Colorado, um, had the first ever black roommate. They 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 got up there late. My dad uh, wanted to be a teacher. He'd hurt his back. Wanted to be a teacher and had to go to school over the winter, and uh, had a black roommate. And it was the last. It was the last uh, housing available, and uh, there was some consternation. And my dad could. My dad could have cared less. And uh, you know, I mean, it never was. It never was a problem about the color of the guy's skin. But you're talking about in my lifetime, yeah. In my in my formative years, you know, uh, it was still very very unheard of for that for that culture mixing that race mixing. And you know, when we moved out here to Las Vegas in 1983, Mark, um, you'd go into casinos, and it was a rare occasion when somebody of color would come through and oh dear god <laughs> a black man with a white woman walking through a casino mm-hmm. they ended up going out separate exits out of that casino and it, uh, you it was not seen it was not you know they used to call this uh, uh mississippi of the west uh, out here and it, that was a that was certainly alluding to the the racial times and and how that how that uh that was here but uh you know not necessarily a good time uh, particularly, particularly if you were the if you were the 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 mixed race couple, uh, but uh, I literally have seen security walk over and not have. I mean, it's not like they had reasonable cause or, or thought that you were doing anything, but walking through their damn casino and willing to put your money in or just checking things out. And if it was a if it was a black man with a white girl, it was uh, uh, it, it was not something that went unnoticed or unacted upon very very quickly. Uh, it, it did not take much time. 
for them oh. to be under scrutiny, and you just didn't see them. I mean, they 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 got them out of the casinos. And uh, so, how long was 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 Joe Lewis with uh, Caesar's Palace? You- he was he, Joe Lewis was at Caesar's. I think probably. 10 years, eight or 10 years, something okay. like that, Mark. And then his health deteriorated so badly right. that he went back to, uh, to St. Louis. And now they have, you know, I mean, or to Detroit, and they have Joe Lewis Arena. And, and they've, you know, it's after the fact. To me, it's like giving somebody flowers after they're dead. Can't yeah. smell the damn flowers. Give me flowers while I'm here. <laughs> you know, <laughs> everybody totally takes food to the funeral. Oh, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> you took his favorite food. Our, our friend Jack Welsh died, and they had his memorial at the Mandalay Bay, and they, they, they had Jack's favorite food there, hot dogs and I forget whatever, ice cream, I think uh, Klondike bars or whatever whatever they were. And, and I'm thinking, that's nice. <laughs> the only guy that doesn't get to eat them is Jack. You know, why didn't, why didn't we do this a couple months ago when Jack was still around? He liked the damn things. Why didn't you get, call him and say, hey, Jack, yes. you're not looking too good. We're going to have some hot dogs for you, you know. And uh, the last event he covered was at Caesar's Palace. And we did their, their outdoor fights. And it started raining. And uh, I walked in and I took I took photos of he and uh, Larry Grossman together. And uh, Jack was a, was, was a, was a, a character, if ever there was. You know, I'm from uh, I'm from Colorado. And Damon Runyon was born in my hometown. And we play at Runyon Field. And, and if ever there was a Runyon-esque character that I've run into, it was Jack Welsh. And uh, uh, Caesars just kind of had a had a knack for for that let's let's kind of do the right thing they were one of the i used to always drive by mark and and think and they, they always had the blue on the windows at caesar's i mean the blue lights and i would drive by and i would say man one of these days I, this is when i was a dealer i was coming home from railroad pass and i would say uh, one of these days i'm going to work at caesar's well i didn't have the hands to do it i had the i had the other things i i as a dealer but i just wasn't up to caesar's uh standards as far as uh, uh looks and and uh and and the hands to to deal uh appropriately on the game my hands are kind of beat up <laughs> i don't know yeah. if you can see how how them how them fingers tend to go different directions uh yeah they do that every once in a while so uh it just was never a, a chance and then i got the chance to host the radio show there and uh, i don't know if i've ever worked at a place that had more uh, more compassion and more understanding then Caesar's Palace, and uh, you know uh, Phil Cooper was the was the PR director there. Debbie Munch, who's still there, uh, was his assistant, and uh, uh, just every last thing they did was class, and they did that with Joe Lewis. And uh, I don't think there was money in it. I don't. I certainly don't think they made a whole hell of a lot more from Joe Lewis being there. That it might have come out bottom line to, as as a plus for them, but but it was not a big plus. I don't oh, think they would have lost any money or, or or much. But but it was good PR. But I. I don't, really don't think they did it simply for the PR mark. They did it because it was no. the right thing to do, and uh, many people do that. One of the guys, I mean, I don't mind blowing Floyd some crap when, it, when it's deserved, but I will say this. Floyd Mayweather Jr. is a guy who who takes his money, and you know he, he'll hear about somebody or read something in the paper or be aware of somebody going through a real struggle. I know for a fact that he's done this at least a couple times that I'm aware of, Mark, he will under, he will hear about somebody who's struggling with their children and, and they've had some uh, catastrophic event, whether it's cancer or heart defect or something like that, where medical bills are overwhelming and Floyd writes the check and pays, gets them out of debt, gets that, that 
take that load off of somebody's shoulders. And he doesn't, he doesn't call the review journal first. He doesn't call ESPN. He doesn't wait for photographers right. to get there. He writes the check and goes on about the rest of his day. And it's not that Floyd can't afford it, but you know, there again, he does the right thing. He doesn't always do the right thing, but when he does the right thing, he it tends right to get thing. overlooked by, by, yeah, he does. He just does the right thing. And I think that attitude was, was very prevalent at Caesar's palace. You know, um, they always treated us with, with tremendous respect and, and, and just that, that class that you don't, you just don't get everywhere. I mean, I think the, the closest that I've seen to it, something that I would have said should have or could have worked at Caesar's had been very, very good at it. Scott Voller, uh, who was at the Mandalay Bay, the, the vice president of PR at Mandalay Bay, uh, the overseer of all that at uh, uh, MGM Mirage uh, and all that. When they took over the Mandalay Bay, one of the best things they got was Scott uh, Scott Voller and Peggy Eastham, his longtime assistant there, and uh, Gordon Absher, uh, who's now their community liaison there. All could have very much been at Caesars, but I think they were much more the exception than the rule. And that's not that's not a that's not a knock on on anything else that's going on. It's just Caesars was different, and uh, and so they did the right thing with Joe Lewis. At least they did better than anybody else was doing with him. Right? Yeah. You know, so uh, that's just that's just kind of how that goes. Uh, kind of a slow period, Mark. Yesterday was the only day in the on the entire 365 days of the year that there were no sports, no major league sports. Uh, yeah. And, and that's why they have the ESPYS on that day. You were saying that, and it just kind of, you know, it just kind of shocked me that there was actually a day where nobody played sports, major league. No, no, the All Star game, the All Star game was this week for uh, for Major League Baseball, so they take the day off before and the day after, so guys can travel and get to the mm-hmm. game and have a day to rest and come home and then get back with their teams. I mean, they don't want to screw up a team's entire season by having all stars. A lot of guys don't like to play in the in the home run do the home run derby because it does take some effort and it does take you know it takes a day or two to recover. So if instead of hitting a home run they they hit a deep fly a day yeah. or so after playing in the home run derby or whatever, okay, it's, it may have cost their team a game. So guys don't like to do that, and and there's you know there's a lot of a lot of pride and whatever. But it was cool. Chris Bryant had his dad uh, pitching to him. Uh, Bryce Harper from Las Vegas would have been in the home run derby, but his dad was, was ailing and couldn't, uh, couldn't pitch to him. And without his dad, he wasn't going to do it. And so, I, I mean, it is that great father son thing, but yeah, there was no major league sports. And that's why the SBs do always schedule their awards, which were on ABC for the first time ever. They've always been on ESPN until last night. Um, that's why they schedule it the day after the all-star game. Uh, they're the only game in town. I mean, it's where everybody goes to watch the, and LeBron James won the uh, won the deal and m- mentioned that it was a second place award. And he, you know, he he gave props to Steph Curry and the and uh, the Golden State Warriors. And uh, uh, you know, it's kind of a contrived thing. I mean, it's a, uh, they always have the comedian, and some of the things they say are funny, and some of the things are not. <laughs> and uh, so uh, they they had they had one that went way too long with the with the. Alex Rodriguez standing there and the, the apology thing. And uh, I didn't find a great deal of humor in it. And I don't think anybody else or a lot of people didn't. It wasn't like there was uproarious laughter or anything like that. But the ESPYs are now up there with the Emmys and the Tonys and the and the Oscars. And the, yeah, you know, yeah, they're yeah. an award that people like to get and whatever. But, yeah. So, uh, but by the way, <laughs> there were, I believe, 32 minutes left to – 
for a franchise player, which means the, the team can basically sign you or sign you a, a contract that you can't, that the money's already there. You get the average of the top five at your position and they average it out and they say, okay, this is what you're going to get this year if you won't sign a long-term contract. And they have until, was it 4 p.m. or 8 p.m. or something on the 15th of July uh, to sign uh, this extension or you don't, or you're going to play at the franchise tag or, or, or whatever it is, whatever the franchise amount is. And Des Bryant and Demarius Thomas, two of the, two of the best wide receivers going uh, in, in the NFL now, uh, both held out until they both got there. I mean, they, they were within a half an hour or thereabouts <laughs> of running out of time. And Des Bryant signed, and it, it popped across there. And within five minutes, Demarius Thomas of the Broncos signed. And they each get $45 million guaranteed. I think uh, Bryant, it, however it was structured, was like a million or so more than what Demarius Thomas got. $45 million guaranteed, including a $25 million dollar signing bonus that's a hell of a price to pay for an autograph wow. <laughs> 25 million for signing and that's that's his money you know he can get struck by a meteor on on his way down the road and and he and yeah his his he'll have a really nice funeral yeah. so you know uh the, the, it's odd the 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 other the other story about guys signing and not signing the nba has their free agent period and and uh, they they put these artificial or these uh, dates in there that uh, that are kind of a drop dead day or, or 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 whatever they call it in the negotiations, and they have a cooling off period. They have a week that a guy can agree to a contract but can't sign it for a week. And DeAndre Jordan did that with the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, he uh, moved on from the Clippers and signed this offer sheet with, or, or agreed to the terms with the Dallas Mavericks. And in that week, it gave the Clippers a chance to send their big guns after him. And uh, all reports are that J.J. Redick, uh, the guard out of Duke, uh, went and talked to him and convinced him to return to the fold. It's, you know, it's almost like watching a guy who's caught his wife cheating <laughs> and talks to her. Come on, honey. I, think I won't back. slap you no more. Come on. Really? I did. You know that I promise I'll change. I won't drink anymore. I won't, you know, and then the, so uh, Deandre Jordan changed his mind and, and, and re-signed with the Clippers, which did not sit all that well with Mark, uh, with Mark Cuban. No, <clears throat> but that week is built into that process for a reason to give guys a chance chance to to think and i don't think we're going to see i think you're going to see that rule changed uh simply because they take they they've taken it out uh, as a week if they if they put the guys in solitary confinement they send them to hawaii for a week and say sit there on the beach drink a corona see what happens and then get back with us and then and see if you still want to sign it has allowed the team that, that is losing this guy to to recruit and it's much like college recruiting um, and so they sent the big guns. They 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 sent everybody on the team, and and then some, and some stars, and uh, you know they they fired every every uh, bit of ammunition that they had <laughs> stored back at DeAndre Jordan uh, to keep him there. And he did resign with the Clippers, and it left a bad taste in the in the Mavericks' mouths. They in turn had money that they had thought they were going to spend on DeAndre Jordan, and they ended up with Darren Williams, uh, who left the uh, the Brooklyn Nets. <clears throat> to come to uh, to to uh, go back and be part now part of the Dallas Mavericks, re- 
replacing on the roster Rajon Rondo, who was an absolute train wreck as he signed as a free agent or was traded for or from the Boston Celtics. And uh, uh, Rondo just was what whatever that situation was that caused that. Man, that was a that was a tough deal with Rajon Rondo and, and the Dallas Mavericks. It's a wonder that did not come down to some kind of <laughs> at least manslaughter type thing because he was he was not a good fit. Williams will. Be, I mean, this is his third team. So if he was the savior, okay, you know, then then you got to do it. Uh, saying you are and having people say you are and all that is one thing, but you got to get her done, or you're just another you're just another guy who's been overpaid. And uh, I don't know if he's the answer, but he's a tremendous point guard. He was a he was on our basketball USA uh, squad with uh, Chris Paul, and and and, and uh, had his uh, had his uh, uh, real. Uh, uh, moments there uh, in, in basketball USA and playing with the elite of of, uh, of pro basketball, you know LeBron James and Carmelo Anthony and Kobe Bryant, whatever. And uh, he was he was out there with them, and there there it wasn't like there was a big drop off when he played. But you know you have to have that chemistry right to to get these things done. So bas- basketball, by the way, the NBA summer league, yeah, now down to their single eliminations here in Las Vegas. It ends on the twentieth here. Uh, Two or four days down the road, but they're ha- now they're having eliminations, uh, losing you're out, and it's almost like it takes on the the feel of the NCAA tournament. And for some of these kids, it, it, it is that next nat- natural progression. They have they have most all of them that are in this have played in the NCAA tournament uh, before. There's a couple guys that came from Europe or or whatever, a few guys that that don't have that experience. But most anybody that comes comes from America has their last thing in college was the NCAA tournament. And now this has that same kind of feel because it is single elimination losing. You're done. And they'll come down to two teams. And one, one of them will, one of them will be a, will be the champion. And, you know, I'll give you my, I'll give you, I'll give you everything I own. If you can tell me who won without looking who won last year's, it, the summer league championship here in here in Las Vegas. So it's Golden State Warriors. It's not like they hold. Yeah, it's not, it's not like they hold it. No, that's the NBA championship. Who won the summer league championship is different. They, you know, it's a they they they. It's not like they hold that trophy up and go parading around yeah. and take it to everybody's home city like they do the Stanley Cup. So, uh, I guess that's about it, Mark. Uh, okay. um, again, not not a not a great deal of stuff going on but man football's gearing up we're in july so it must be football season <laughs> so um the the vegas lions are having it for anybody that can play if you want to play and you want to continue your football career and you have thoughts of of moving forward and moving on um you know they are the feeders for the outlaws which are now vince neal is out as outlaws owner the really? league is running the las vegas outlaws we may lose another minor league team. Certainly, attendance part of the deal. When the NHL, when they talk about the NHL moving here, they have that really nice arena that they're building out behind the, the New York, New York, and they. I don't think leagues can afford to take a misstep in this, particularly to Las Vegas. If it was expansion or moving a, an existing team somewhere, and it was, it was. Uh, 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 somewhere in you know Tampa or to move to Denver or to move to whatever okay but to come to Las Vegas and have to acknowledge the the gambling aspect and the whole shooting match and, and you know this is going to be played in the backyard of a casino i don't think they'll have slot machines inside the new arena but 
you can you can take five minutes and walk and, and go stick your money in a slot machine or or put your money up on a blackjack table or a crap table or whatever whatever your your choice of losing is you can go do that and um, so they they have a lot of there's some baggage that comes with Las Vegas that doesn't come anywhere else and it is not a good sign that the outlaws have not been able to perform and been able to draw enough of a crowd uh, you know they their expenses are a couple hundred thousand bucks a month. Um, and they're certainly not bringing that in, and that's not a good sign. I mean, they're they're, they're really literally they're the only game in town. <laughs> they, 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 this is it. We've got the fifty-one job, and uh, Don Logan and and our friend Jimmy Gemma do. You know, they do everything humanly possible to make it work at Cashman, and it's still a struggle. Them guys work hard to get asses in seats there at Cashman Field, and the Outlaws did not do did not work as hard as they should have or could have. And now it's going to be looked upon as, well, Vegas failed. Well, I think the Outlaws failed Vegas more than Vegas failed the Outlaws. But uh, um, it's going to be it's going to make it tough on people that want to come in here, whether it's major so- uh, major league soccer or hockey or a basketball franchise or whatever it is. People are going to let's see. Let's look at the chart and see what this see what this patient has or what they don't have and what do they need. And uh, now here's another failure. Uh, of a pro sports team in Las Vegas. There's so much other stuff to do. Uh, and so, they, they, you know, people do you it. So yeah. wrong on this again, Rick. God, you are so wrong on this. Yeah. And, and is this the same, is this the same wrong about Donald Trump being president? I want to know, you know, I really like your car. Uh, well, Debbie's car, I guess. Uh, she's the, yeah, she's the one that bought that first. You, you, you get, you lucked into that. Okay. I really like that it? car. I'll tell you what. I will buy you. Any Rolls Royce that you can that you can find. I don't care if it's one in a museum that's worth millions. I will sign my life away. I will donate all my organs to round up the down payment. You put up the pink slip for for Debbie's car. <laughs> if, if Donald and and I'll take you to lunch or something else. Rick, <laughs> if Donald Trump Rick, is, Rick, is president, if he gets Rick, the nomination, dude. You are yeah. a really good yeah. liberal. You are a good liberal because <laughs> oh. because anytime you face a losing argument, you change the topic. <laughs> All right. What argument did I face that was losing? I have lost an argument in a long time. What, what was it that I missed there? That a professional sports team will look at an amateur sports team that is failing and go, well, mm. we can't move here. They're not amateurs by any stretch of the imagination. Two hundred, two hundred thousand bucks a month. I mean, they, they pay for the for the people to to live here. Uh, I believe that expenditure is somewhere in the twenty five thousand dollar range per month that they put up, and they have one apartment complex that has a whole bunch of football players in it. Okay, these okay. guys eat. You okay. know? Oh, so okay, here. Here, it's here, it's here, not Rick. it's not amateur no. sports. Okay, okay. Here here is here is a correlation that you can understand. Would you? If you're living in Chicago and you're coming to Vegas, you're coming to Las Vegas, would you go gamble at Palace at Palace Station or Caesar's Palace? 
Oh, I don't think there's any question that, that, okay, that thank the you. choice there for most people is Caesar's Palace. But that has nothing to do with the argument that people are, and rightly or wrongly, Mark, people will are, are humans and they, they want to see data. And there we got bean counters in this. And we got people that have, wouldn't know a hockey puck from a football that are making decisions on our sports teams and on our sports future. We have major league sports in Las Vegas. We have Las Vegas Motor Speedway, one of the finest racing facilities in the world and run so well by Chris Powell and, and Jeff Motley and, and owned, you know, I, I mean, I don't know if, if there's a better owner in sports than Bruton Smith. I want another date. You can't have another date. Well, I'll just buy North Wilkesboro and shut it down so I can take, take the date to, to, to Kentucky. You know, so he 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 he's real good at them workarounds. So, uh, but as Bruton Smith uh, has proved, if you put a winner out there, if you put something that people want, they'll come out there. And 165,000 people head out to the Speedway in March every year, and they have a great time. They put on the three days, and then the rest of the time, the thing sits unless they have the the, the NHRA comes in a couple times a year, and the truck races will be back in September and that. But that is the the big thing, and it's well attended. People come from all over, but the but the Las Vegans go. Minor league sports is different. Listen, the Wranglers were a very very entertaining hockey team. You know, they could shoot the puck. They had goaltending. Oh, they could fight. They could do all the exciting things. They skated. They, you know, they the people knew them. You know what they looked like. They could they they they, they did their thing. Still couldn't draw a crowd. Still can fill fill up the uh, the Orleans arena. They had a crowd. So. Every once in a while, they had a crowd mark, but again, much like the fifty ones, they really had to work for it, and it just wasn't. They couldn't fill that up. They couldn't. They couldn't pay the heating bill there, man. So they had to move to a smaller arena. They were looking around, and nobody thought enough of hockey to keep the Wranglers around. And God bless this Mister Foley. I hope he's got long, deep pockets, man, because he's going to be fighting an uphill battle. And this is not a this is not a death knell, but it is certainly a nail in the coffin, Mark. Um, and it gives gives more ammo to those people who think hey, we don't need we don't need uh, you know hockey we don't need basketball we want a football team yeah good good luck with that people in hell want ice water too and they ain't getting that neither so um, uh, I I don't I think we may get a franchise whether it's hockey or, or or basketball pro basketball mark but I don't know that it'll be successful I think basketball will be more successful than hockey will I don't think there's enough northerners here that care. You know, I got I got a hundred bucks in my pocket. Let me see. I can get a, a, a ticket to a hockey game, and a couple beers, and some nachos, and parking, and maybe a maybe a foam finger that holds up number one or something. And my hundred bill, my hundred bucks is spent. Or I can go sit in a casino and watch the hockey game on TV. And if it's not the hockey game here because they suck, I can watch the Blackhawks or I can watch the Rangers or I can watch the Canadians or I can watch whatever team I want. It's available here and sit there in a nice, cool place and have a half-dressed woman bring me alcohol until I, you know, and I've stuck my hundred bucks. Man, if I win, then I walk. And if I don't win, okay, I still got to watch a hockey game and drink and everything. And I am so, um, it's more convenient. There's less. It's it's easier to park at a casino than it is at a at a hockey game. And man, if you if you go down Spring Mountain, if you look or, or Tropicana, I mean, if you look at just the uh, the the how is this going to work? How are you going to get a crowd big enough to enjoy a hockey game into 
this arena and out of, unless everybody comes on the bus or the monorail or something, it's going to be a nightmare. When I was back in Colorado, Mark, Pikes Peak International Speedway opened up just uh, just south of Colorado Springs, and the, the Indy Racing League was their first race there, and they, and, and they had some big, big stars. Tony Stewart was running. There was a lot. I mean, there were some big, big names running there. Everybody in racing was there. It's a new track, and it's a new day, and blah, blah, blah. It took seven hours for some people to get out of the damn parking lot because it all bottlenecked down to a one-lane deal underneath I-25. And there were people that vowed to never go back. The place is now a, a big thing out there in the middle of the of the prairie between Colorado Springs and Pueblo, Colorado. And it's it's people were were soured on that they can't it wasn't convenient and i don't think that we're the location 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 it's going to be very important it's a beautiful facility and they got vip parking right across the way but again the newness the newness will wear out the honeymoon's over man uh sooner or later and the, the, you better have a winner out there on the, uh, on the ice uh, particularly here in las vegas uh, no, they don't. We don't. We don't like. We don't like lovable losers. <laughs> They'd run the Cubs out of town because they didn't win. They go see uh, the Cubs and everything. Yeah, but they, they want winners here. You know. The next time you visit Las Vegas, call me and uh, <laughs> and I'll show you around. Okay. Are you going to take me to lunch? Yeah, I'll take you to lunch we, because you are so we go to Twin Peaks. Long on this one. <laughs> the first major right, league. Right, we'll see. We'll see how it works out. The first major league franchise UFC. that that comes into Vegas is going to be like printing money. It's going to be like they will own Fort uh, Fort Knox because this start, is not to Chicago. start off with. I Colorado. To start off with, I agree, Mark. But again, they better put that money in the bank because they're going to need it. They're going to run out of they're going to run out of asses in seats real quick unless they put a winner out there. Nobody comes to Vegas to watch hockey. People, people come to Vegas to gamble and be seen and drink and party and screw around and do do whatever they do. But you don't come here from a place that already has hockey to watch hockey. So your fan base is going to be very, very limited. Uh, the season tickets and all that, great. But, but casinos have no motivation. Caesars Palace certainly doesn't have motivation to bring their high rollers in and send them to a hockey game next to New York, New York, and across the street from the Excalibur. So... What they've limited, what what they've done, where where they've built this thing is now it is limited to MGM Grand properties for the most part. And how many high rollers can you bring in? How much? Are, well, these people are taking two or three hours out of their day to watch hockey. They could have them in the casinos spinning, what doing what they do, and then set them up with a meal or a hooker or whatever they want. And then, okay, we'll, we'll go back to Chicago and watch hockey. Or I'll travel to Los Angeles and watch the, watch the Kings. Or we'll go to Phoenix, you know, three and a half hours away and, and watch the Coyotes. So I just, I, I just am very leery, Mark, of their – I hope it works. I mean, I, I wouldn't mind seeing a major league sport, one of the four major league sports that they count. Although, I don't know. I don't know how you count UFC as anything but major league. I don't know how you count NASCAR as anything but major league. We have major league sports here in Las Vegas. They're just vagrants, but they, you know, they are headquartered, or at least they, they certainly do their do their fair share of of community uh, uh, events here in Las Vegas. And I don't think I don't think pro sports are going to work any better than, than than the minor league sports work here, simply because people have so much else that they can do. And when it comes down to choices, Mark, you know, it's a uh, 
it, it remains to be seen. But again, uh, the, the the initial the initial excitement, you know, eh, it, okay. it has been okay. there. Okay. okay, okay. UFC. It's it is owned by yeah. the Ferretta brothers, who are big, Fertitta. big, big, big Democrat uh, donors. They put on one event a month. <laughs> The NFL has oh, what? You, you would rather have the Koch brothers do this. <laughs> well, it's better than George Soros, but um, you know, <laughs> you know, you have hockey. I thought that was sore ass. Whatever. But I'm saying that 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 when you talk major league sports, you have teams scattered throughout the country having games simultaneously. The UFC has one event. You know, only you game know, in town. Yeah, right. You know, it's not like on but all Sunday. All they have to do is open the doors, Mark. Yes, but you have it. You, it's it's not like on Sunday afternoon you can sit down and watch four different fights: one in Chicago, one in Atlanta, one in Vegas, and one in Tahoe. You have one fight. Right. Okay. NASCAR. Oh, there's there's Run always twelve NASCAR or thirteen race. fights on that one. Right. Well, yeah, but it's not. It's not. You know, we have a race. But in it's Chicago, an event. We have a race in Kentucky. You know. Have you ever been in Las Vegas when they had a world championship fight, Mark, and especially a heavyweight championship fight? It is that event. It is that Super Bowl type of, of atmosphere here. Okay? Right. The UFC now is an event thing. They have their numbers on them, 189 and 186. And you can, man, for that community, for that crowd, the people that buy the tickets and, and do the things and, and, and give the support, it is an event that, that very much is similar to, to what you see from the Super Bowl. Unless it's a heavyweight championship fight or it's a Manny Pacquiao-Floyd Mayweather fight, eh, eh, nobody gives a shit. They, they, right. they just don't. And, and, again, when you're talking about major league sports, they're not bringing in the Lakers for the NBA. They're, bringing, they're talking about bringing in the Minnesota Timberwolves here. Okay, you know what I mean? The Timberwolves don't draw in Minnesota, and there's got to be a hell of a lot more to do in Las Vegas than there is in Minneapolis. If you tell me, Mark. You're from there. Where Where do you find it easier to do stuff, here or there? <laughs> gotcha. No, you don't. I'm just telling you. No, you don't. Well, but, okay. but, but when you're the only game, you mentioned that you can go watch four games and you can do this and that. Hockey loses something on, on TV. Seeing a hockey game live is wonderful. But how often are you going to do that if they don't win? You know what I mean? They're going to have to resurrect Patrick Waugh and give him to the time machine and, and, and uh, you know, Gump Worsley and Toe Blake and Paul Newman and whoever well, the hell they arguing, get in here. Rick, uh, eventually, Rick, they're going to have to Rick, have that. Go Rick, ahead. I, Rick, I'm not arguing with you that these are major attractions. However, when, you, when you're talking major league sports like we talk major league sports, you've got this multi-team setup, and then you have the Super Bowl. You know, you know, you know. You go through competitions to get to the top man. You just don't have two guys, yeah. three guys sitting around the bar going, "Well, Randy Couture will fight this guy, and then this person will fight that guy, and we'll do that on Wednesday." Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, the, the schedule is yeah because they they see who who beat who up, and then the winners fight as as it progresses. I mean, that's pretty much what the UFC has set up. But I'm just telling you right now, man, uh, the casinos are not going to cooperate with the MGM Grand any more than they do uh, 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 on the streets. They're not so, going to – the other casinos are not going to – high rollers. 
So then why Watch does... a hockey game where they can just keep them happy at their own place. You know, Caesars is not going to send people from Caesars in their limo up to the up to the hockey arena. So, so it's why... all on the MGM Grand properties to, so to, then... to get their people into this hockey game. So then why does Caesars want to build a, a hockey arena b- behind Bally's? Because everybody's copycats. They, uh, and it wasn't just a hockey arena. It was a multi-purpose arena, Mark. And I think there was some sense of that, but they, they are so much copy. It's tit for tat. And if you look at the innovation wheel, <laughs> Caesars, Caesars started theirs and they just had, a, they just had a better spot. But man, the, the MGM grand properties right across. We're going to have our own. Yeah. Well, there's, two steel pillars there that look like somebody's going that's like this. <laughs> that's, that's all that's, that's there. You know, that I mean? wasn't MGM they, though. That was MGM. Absolutely. Was that? And they, was not. MGM has nothing to do with those two pillars at the South end of the strip. That was a private investor that was scamming oh my people. Yeah, who owned that property, Mark? Let me ask you that. Where do you, where do you think that property came from? It was across the street from Mandalay Bay. Who, who do you think they had to ask? Uh, we want to put an observation wheel there that's going to be better than the one down the street. And it is. It would have been. It would have seen the entirety of the strip. The one that the one they have now sits behind the Palazzo. You can you can only see so much until you're at the very top of that observation wheel there. It's a terrible location, but it was first. And as Robin no, Leach no, told me and told me and told me, first in is best in, and they were the first in, and, the, and then they put the other one in the grave. It's done. They're going to tear down those pillars. It's going to be like the Fontaine Blue and when anything else that started, and then they didn't. And it's like the hockey team. Okay, that's cool. You got one. Wow. Now what? It's like it's like a dog chasing a car. Okay, you got to get out it. of Vegas more. You got to get down on the strip once in a while. <laughs> I do that. No, you hey, don't. I've been eighty-six from several places yeah. on the strip. Dude. Well, yes. <laughs> and I was there several of those times too. <laughs> yes, you were. Uh, all right, all right. No, let's okay, okay. Let's yeah, your claim let's, to fame, man. <laughs> wrap it I was up. There when uh, he got kicked out, man. All right, you've all been right. there more than once when that's happened. Vegas <laughs> Lions, the uh, the 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 is uh, the twenty fourth of July. If you'd like some information, go online. Uh, go to the Vegas Lions uh, website, and uh, it'll tell you all the all the details. They got a new coaching staff and a new uh, uh, a new attitude with the Vegas Lions. Um. There's uh, there's obviously different things coming up. Football. Some of the places already have football lines for the entire season up and uh, first part of the season, which is always a crapshoot for both yeah. both teams, both, both parties. You don't know injuries. You don't know you know who's going to make the squad and what trades and, and this and that. So it's kind of buy a lottery ticket and hope you get lucky. Um, football is, is right around the corner. People are waiting for that. Uh Basketball is is coming to Las Vegas. Our national team will be here in uh, in August. It's going to be interesting, I think, this year, Mark, to see who shows and who doesn't. When you look at the injury to to Paul George uh, with last year's team, and that cost them and the Pacers the entirety of the season. Uh, when you see uh, some of the things, but you all on the other side of that coin, you see guys, the uh, Stephen Curry and and uh, 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 Clay Thompson were on the team from the Golden State Warriors and they got that coaching and they got that they got that that experience and they you know they were in that practice with those guys for the 10 days or whatever that they're here um, 
I think you're going to see guys say, well, man, I could go out. I could try out, and that's cool, and look what it did for these guys. On the other hand, Paul George broke his leg, and Kevin Durant had, had problems, and LeBron James was injured, and Kyrie Irving tore himself up, and Kobe Bryant's hurt, and blah, blah, blah. So they measure that, and, I, and I, it's going to be interesting to see if we don't kind of digress back to almost having just the college players or just kind of what we see in the summer league here in Las Vegas – Talent, but young talent that doesn't have that experience to, to, to make our USA basketball team. Uh, the, the ace in the hole that they have there is Mike Krzyzewski. And uh, what a tremendous, uh, what, what, one of the coolest people I've ever met in sports. And, and I'm a Tar Heels fan, but honest to God, I don't know if there's a nicer, uh, more decent gentleman that I've ever met than Mike Krzyzewski. And uh, uh, that's, a, that's, that's a big consideration but the basketball team's coming here and we'll see how this how this works out it's not an olympic year so i don't think you'll see lebron james uh, particularly after the the run to the finals that the cavaliers made i kevin durant's hurt and coming off the injuries and i don't think they want to push that with him you may see paul george kind of make a triumphant return um i don't know how larry bird and the rest of the pacers feel about making their stars available you know mark cuban says hey these guys make so much money fifa Make so much money, or FIBA uh, with basketball, make so much money off of us, and they, they don't give us any of it back, and they use our stars that we've developed that I have this huge investment in. And so I don't think you're going to see uh, the cooperation that we've had with dream teams and, and, and those kind of things in the past. So, again, it's going to be interesting to see who shows up and who, who makes the final squad. It's not going to be all about talent. There's going to be some pressure from, from different organizations for their guys to bail, uh, get your training, go through the training camp, and then come home. And you're not going to play. You're not going to go play in in Yugoslavia, or you're not you're not going to go for the World Championships or whatever it is. So, without it being an Olympic year, I think you're not you're going to see that that uh, next tier. Not that they're not talented. No. Uh, again, some of these guys just need to get exposed. That you know there is some tremendous talent. DeAndre Jordan's a guy that kind of come out of the woodwork. Look at Demarcus Cousins. You know, um, guys that you you don't get a chance to see because they you're playing in. San Diego, or they're playing in Sacramento, or whatever. When I mean, they get on this national team and they're exposed, and it's almost like an all-star game, but they actually play basketball. And so uh, that's coming uh, next month uh, in, in in August here to the Thomas and Mac. Um, Triple A All-Star game was last night. Uh, the uh, the uh, PCL did not uh, fare so well. Uh, they lost a young man from from Vegas. Took a walk. <laughs> he had two outs in the ninth inning. He took a walk. And uh, uh, he was stranded on first base as the game ended four to three. Um, but that's pretty much it, Mark. Football coming up, uh, basketball coming up, hockey right. about to reemerge. We're only, you know, we're we're within sixty days of training camp, uh, I believe, for hockey, or at least the uh, the starts of that. So uh, interesting, interesting times. The 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 NASCAR, the trucks are coming uh, a month or well, six weeks down the road, Mark. So. It's it's a it's a fun time, but this is this is kind of the slow time in the the British Open. <laughs> it ain't going to have Tiger Woods' name on the on the on the the trophy any uh, anytime soon. So, all right, that all right man. Anything uh, anything that we need to add from your side of the deal? Nah, same shit, different day. All right, Mark. Well. <laughs> one day closer to death, man. Uh, all right, buddy. <laughs> and folks we appreciate you uh more more than we can tell uh you can follow us on youtube you can follow us on facebook uh twitter uh what else do we have there mark we're instagram. all over instagram we're all over Ch- check out yeah. Debbie. 
Debbie, Debbie Anthony's photos. She's yep, got some Debbie fine Anthony. photos up online. You can find all this information. Yep, you can find Next all week. this uh, all this information out on our site. Next week, and uh, we will uh, uh, again. God willing, we'll be here. Uh, so for all of us here at Good Sports, uh, uh, I'm Rick Rosen with Mark Anthony. You've been listening to Good Sports on Good Sports Media. We'll talk to you again next week right here. Bye-bye. Bye bye.